0: Hello, and thanks
1: for joining us here for episode 446 of Judy Holler. Judy is talking about how to deal with fear, make it your friends. So you'll learn one, the small things we do each day that slow our long-term progress. Two, why technology is a great servant, but a terrible master. And three, how to deal with fear when it never goes away. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we referenced, it's at job.com slash ep 446 now here's Judy's story. Judy Hawther is a keynote speaker, author, and a professionally trained improviser and alumna of the Second Cities Conservatory in Chicago, Illinois. That's where I live. And I've been there before. It's really a lot of fun. Come on down. Judy is a past president of Meeting Professionals International, Chicago area chapter, and was named one of the 40 under 40 in the meetings industry by Connect Magazine in 2015. Judy's book on fear, titled Fear is My Homeboy, How to Slay Doubt, Boss Up, and Succeed on Your Own Terms, was recently endorsed by Mel Robbins, who called it relatable, relevant, and most importantly, actionable. Fear is My Homeboy came out just last week. Thanks to Judy for hollering at us, and thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free So here is Judy. Judy, thanks so much for joining us here on the how to be awesome at your job podcast.
2: I am honored to be here.
1: Oh, fun. Well, I am honored to to have you here. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun digging into some some cool stuff. But I got a real kick out of out of your fun fact, which is you do some karaoke performances from time to time. And you've got a, a go to Caribbean Queen. What's the story here?
2: Okay, so Billy Ocean's Caribbean Queen is always my go-to karaoke. I have a few. I have a bag of tricks. Uh, But you know what? Listen, I've always loved karaoke. Um, uh, You know, who doesn't want to be a rock star? Who doesn't want to be Beyonce for just a minute? And, you know, I can't sing to save my life. So karaoke is just a great way to sort of play rock star, crack people up, improvise, which we'll talk about that I have an improv background, and just be goofy. And so Billy Ocean really kind of became one of my favorite songs because nobody sees it coming it's super old school I've I've got a thing for for Yacht Rock and like old R&B and my mom used to like clean the house to like Lionel Richie and Billy Ocean and so I kind of grew up listening to that song and I know all the lyrics so it's just great because no one sees it coming
1: well, you know, it's certainly fun. And what that reminded me of is, is that song. I remember when I was a kid, all the time, there yes. would be this TV commercial for an 80s compilation CD. It's called Totally 80s or something yes. like that. And so my buddy Ronnie and I like knew every word to this commercial because it was on so much. Our favorite part was when they show you one sample and move to the other. They didn't really transition it very well. So it was like, everybody <laughs> wants to rule oh the my God. Caribbean queen no. and i was like uh, do they want to rule the caribbean queen because that's what it sounds like when you Ooh. splice it together
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you brought me back so thank you that yeah. is amazing oh yeah billy ocean you know it's just it's old school so whole, you know everybody there might be a lot of people listening in that have to google it up to find out who the heck he is but um that's why i love it because no one sees it coming and yeah nothing like 80s r&b
1: well and i'm wondering if any ever bumped into any caribbean uh women are like i'm the caribbean queen
2: Okay, oh, yeah. well, you know what? Okay.
1: In, the, in the bar or sound, I'll think while totally you're
2: there. Totally funny caveat to that. My husband and I honeymooned in the Caribbean. They had musical performances in our hotel lobby. And we got to know the band because they were there a couple nights in a row. And I'm not a shy sort of person. And I said, hey, you guys do any Billy Ocean? Could You got a Caribbean queen? And they were like, well, yeah, these were American performers. And so I'm not kidding you. We have video footage of me doing Caribbean queen in the Caribbean, the Caribbean. As they say it And it was just epic And it was just amazing And people were kind of Clapping slash also Awkwardly wondering what was happening, it was just magic. Well, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. Well, it
1: sounds as though you have indeed lived out the the title of your book, "Fear is oh. My Homeboy," because mm. uh, it, it seems like you have befriended those sensations. That, like, oh, I yeah. don't know if I wanted to go up there and do that. Right. And, uh, everyone's going to be looking at me. I don't know. So, so could you sort of share with us kind of what's the the main idea behind this book here?
2: Yeah. So the big idea behind the book is this: if I could have one page in my book literally one page in my book it would say it doesn't get easier scary things don't get less scary but you Mm. will get stronger keep going (laughs) the big idea is that when you choose courage over comfort on purpose Almost every day, you will start fearing less, which is how you pick up momentum, which is how you get stuff done, and it's how you start succeeding in and outside of work the way you really want to succeed.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, that sounds great. I I would I'd like to have some of that. So maybe could you give us a little bit of a picture here when it comes to what are some of the ways that we frequently choose comfort and not courage to our detriment, particularly in a career context?
2: Yeah. So I really believe it's all the small stuff we don't do every day that ends up holding us back in the long run and really leads to regret. And I'm sort of on a mission to remove the word regret from the dictionary you know, because we're too brave. We are too busy dancing with our fear. This means we're getting stuff done. And the main reason we're not leveling up personally and professionally is because uh, we're afraid. So we're afraid to raise our hand in the sales meeting. We're afraid to speak up in the meeting. We're afraid to sit in the front row or go for the promotion or ask for the raise or to promote ourselves, to talk about ourselves online, to to our own horns, right? So I'm on a mission to stop that. And I think there's a lot of unique things you can do to get uncomfortable every day, to sort of mix up your routine, to make sure that you're staying in the driver's seat of your life and not your
1: fear. You know, what's really interesting is is that what this makes me think about is sort of all the little ways that we uh, choose comfort instead of courage. It's like in a way, I think I may have become, at least temporarily, a little bit less courageous than before, only because I'm married now, you know, (laughs) and and my wife is awesome and uh, and our kids are awesome. But uh, there was a period of time in which I was Meeting a lot of people and asking for a lot of dates. Yeah. And, and I kind of got into a groove where, yeah. you know, I, I did have that momentum such that I felt kind of bold and, and able to kind of ask for and do all kinds of things just because I was in, in that regular habit. Whereas now I've kind of settled it and <laughs> mostly working from home. And, <laughs> and, and so it seems like it does take me a little bit more yes. of a push to like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to send that email. To ask for that opportunity. All right, we're gonna do it. Okay, uh, I've put this off a couple of times. Now is the time. You know, and, and it seems like uh, that's crept in a little bit more, which would follow your theory oh, th- totally. that uh, I'm kind of had fewer moments of choosing courage on a day by day basis and and all kinds of other contexts.
2: Well, think about it like this, Pete, like you just nailed it. Here's the deal. If we don't work that fear muscle, we will not work the fear muscle. Just like when we go to the gym, you know, we go to the gym and it's hard at the beginning, right? But we, we keep going and we keep showing up and then we get stronger. And when we don't, go to the gym we get weaker right so i look at it you know i look at it that way like we have to be working that brave muscle and so when you're not dating you know and you're in a in a relationship right you're not out there doing that scary thing anymore but you are i can bet my bottom dollar doing all kinds of other uncomfortable things to move your life and your business forward and that's the real big idea we have to be doing something every day maybe it's just something as simple as taking a different way home from work right or you know asking for a discount at our coffee shop or or just like taking a selfie of yourself in public to get better at not caring what people think. But we have to work the brave muscle. And I tell you, this is how we fear less. We shouldn't be chasing the unrealistic goal of fearless. Because if you really think about it, if we were fearless, we would never pay our taxes. We would never go to a doctor. We'd walk down alleys at four in the morning by ourselves at night. We would eat poisonous foods on purpose. Like The goal shouldn't be fearless because fearless could be dangerous in some situations. So the goal should always be brave. And how do we fear less? Well, the way you get to the other side, the way you fear less is by working that muscle and you have to use it or you'll lose it. So doing those small, Scary things every day. And sometimes, maybe some days, it's a big scary thing. Maybe you're leaving a toxic relationship tomorrow. Maybe you're literally moving to a new city. Maybe you decided to quit smoking. And, you know, there, there are big things you can do for yourself as well. But it's all those little small things that add up over time that really end up causing a lot of the problems. So we've got to work that fear muscle.
1: Well I love it there you, you provide a few examples in terms of little things you can do every day to to work that muscle from asking for a discount from for in the coffee shop and that came out with Jordan Harbinger and a little bit with Ruth Sukup as well in those ah. conversations so loving the reinforcements so cool so what are some other key things you recommend as a means of of working the fear Muscle is that? That's what you call. Is it the fear muscle or the bravery muscle? <laughs>
2: I guess you could say it either way. There is no wrong way to work that courage muscle, fear muscle, brave bravery muscle. Whatever that looks like for you, uh, you know, I could give you an example of someone, and this could apply to your audience. If you've got someone who's leading a team, or maybe there's someone in your audience that they're working for someone else. I bet you have a little bit of both. So I have a client who lives and works in downtown Chicago. She's leading a team of about three, four people. And so remember, the idea is to get uncomfortable, to mix up our routine. And so she found herself really overwhelmed and really stressed out and exhausted and crabby and irritable. And she just wasn't succeeding the way she wanted to succeed. She wasn't leveling up. So she started a fear. I propose in my keynotes, I work primarily as an author and a keynote speaker. And one of the things I propose in my keynotes is this idea of fear experiments, doing something small and scary and brave every day to advance yourself and get stronger. And so, I told her about this idea and she said okay I'm going to try something on my own I really need to get in front of my schedule and I talk a lot about focus and this can feel scary because it requires us to do things we've never done before in our schedule and in our work lives I mean most of us sit down And we literally, the first thing we do, maybe sometimes before we even get out of bed is we open our iPhones and we look at our email. It's what we do, right? Or we check out social media. So she says, I'm gonna do a fear experiment and I'm gonna take the first 30, I'm not gonna look at email until 9 a.m. every day. No email. So she's getting up at seven. She is not looking at that phone. She's not looking at her email, but she's taking the first 60 minutes of her workday from eight to nine to move one small thing forward for herself or for her work first. And she started small with that first 60 minutes, just that first hour of her day. And you could even go as small as 30 minutes. And what happened for her is she immediately started triggering momentum in her life because she started actually moving things forward, which made the dopamine in her brain happy and it gave her confidence to keep going. And so she thought, oh, she said, okay, well, if I can do this in 60 minutes, what could I do if I did 90 minutes, if I grew this? and She didn't look at email for 60 minutes. She didn't take a phone call. She didn't sit in meetings. Again, advancing a goal before she responded to the rest of the world. That 60 minutes grew to, like I said, an hour and a half to 120 minutes. And today, most days, most days, because there's no perfect world, uh, no perfect day, she doesn't look at her email until noon. And let me tell you, she is working in corporate America. She has a boss. She has a team. But she started small, bird By bird, and it took guts because she did not ask for permission she just took the action and monitored her results because after all you are the CEO of you and let me just tell you Pete what she did in a year so because she started with this hour. And then it grew to like 120 minutes. I don't think she got till noon until like the second year of doing this. But in her first year of just protecting that first 90 minutes of her day, she lost 50 pounds because she started going to the gym in the morning. She read 19 business books, 19. She was reading zero books. She reduced her staff turnover by like 98 i think one person left in an entire year they had had a really bad problem with turnover she got the certification that she had been trying to get for a long time she grew trade show revenues at that organization by 25 percent. she watched like over i think it was i could have this number wrong 45 or 50 ted talks and she found herself happy, healthy, and this really bled into her personal life. So she was leveling up at work, leveling up at home. She got herself a promotion. She was making more money. And watching all these talks and reading all these books gave her a lot of great information to be able to have cool conversations at work with her leadership, at the dinner table, at the networking event, sending them in emails to clients. So again, she started small, but that took courage. It took her getting uncomfortable, literally not looking at her email to open up a whole new door. I mean, she got a promotion out of the deal.
1: And I love that example, too, because when we talk about fear, you know, I, I think sometimes it, it's natural to think about big, dramatic, scary fears mm. like it's like, oh, I am terrified of public speaking or heights or you could sort of fill in the blank there, as opposed to I, I don't imagine she was terrified of not checking her email, but it was uncomfortable. It right. was a little bit uneasy, like, oh, what if there's something really important and someone's waiting right. for me? And they're like, hey, What's the deal how can you didn't get back to me as well as it's just a it's a habit it's a groove that you're in so it just feels kind of off when you just sort of reject that and, and don't engage in it the first few times
2: And here's the kicker we are spending and this is new data we are spending 6.3 hours a day on email a day on average the average worker is spending 6.3 hours a day on email and you wonder, why we're not getting anything done. And we wonder why we feel stuck and irritable and overwhelmed, and I'm doing air quotes here, crazy, busy, right? So if we want to get out of this cycle of suck, we have to have the courage to try something new, to break a pattern, to uh, flip the bad habit. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you're going to start seeing results, which welcomes momentum into your life party. And that's really where all the magic lives. It's some staggering stuff. 55% of us are checking email after 11 PM. 81 percent of workers are checking email work email on the weekends 59 percent of us Keep up with our work email while on vacation. You know what I mean? So we wonder why. We're overwhelmed and irritable and crabby. We're not turning off the machine, right? When you hit the pause button on human beings, we actually start. It's the opposite. So we've gotta be, we've gotta be getting in control of this. And it takes courage to break some of those habits that are important. We need to be engaged. We need to be connected, certainly. Uh, but how do we make sure that? were the boss. Technology is an incredible servant, but a terrible master.
1: Yes, intriguing. So, all right. Well, that's quite a quite a case study in terms of tremendous results uh, possible when you uh, when you just sort of unplug a little bit from the technology. This reminds me of the episode of The Simpsons where Homer stops drinking. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> like uh, He like achieves all these phenomenal that's things.
2: That's hysterical. Perfect analogy.
1: <laughs> so, so that's good. Oh, all right. So anyway, I think we, we talked about a few things to sort of challenge your yourself and to grow the muscle. I'd love to hear, hear a few more things. You yeah. know? So that's a great idea is, is maybe you, you start with a few minutes away from the technology, Mm -hmm. and and maybe in the morning, we get some high leverage there. What are some others you recommend?
2: So I would say it's looking for, you know, and I think you've got to think about it mentally, too, because you've got to, I believe when you're managing fear and working with fear, knowledge is power. So understanding, this is a big thing for, I think, everyone to understand. If you want to get better at fearing less, you can make more bold, courageous moves in and outside of the workplace. You have to understand all of the sneaky ways that fear shows up. Fear is a trickster. It hides on purpose to trick you with the number one goal of getting you to stop, right? So uh, Because if you keep going, if you do these new things, you become a version of yourself your fear has never seen before. And so fear doesn't know what to do with that. So understanding, I think for me, it was really, big. I have a background in the improv theater. And I started to realize all of the sneaky ways that that fear showed up to get me in my head as an improv performer. So self-doubt, is fear. Self-sabotage is fear's way of stopping you. Uh, let's not forget about procrastination. Just understanding when I understood that procrastination is a way that fear shows up to stop you and block you is a powerful thing to get. For example, I was trying to finish a really meaty chapter of my book and I was putting it off <laughs> because I was afraid to sit down and do the work. I, I So I found myself for literally about 60 minutes, 45 minutes, organizing all of the drawers in my desk. I was on a deadline. I needed to finish this chapter of my book, but boy, my office was clean, right? And then I realized what I was doing. I was procrastinating instead of sitting down to do the work. So the reason I share this is because understanding that Procrastination is sort of one of fear's best friends. Is a really a good thing to know so that you can move through it, right? And say, oh, hello, fear. I see you. I appreciate you. Do you ever take a day off? I don't know if you do, uh, but right now I don't need you because I'm in control. I've got work to do. So have a seat on the other side of my desk and come back when I'm done, right? So that was an aha moment for me, understanding that that's just one of the many sneaky ways fear shows up, perfectionism, excuses. If you have someone on your team, someone in your life that is making excuses for why they can't do the thing, instead of getting frustrated and upset and trying to control, ask them what they're afraid of because nine times out of 10, there's a fear on the other side of that excuse. You know, blame, gossip, jealousy, all of those are are fear-based behaviors. So just a few ways that fear mentally shows up and I share them because we've got to be aware. Awareness holds our power.
1: Well, so I'd love to get your your take then when it comes to this procrastination story. So you were avoiding uh, writing the chapter of your book and instead organizing your desk. So what exactly was the fear there?
2: Oh my gosh, the fear of imposter syndrome creeping in. Definitely fearing that, you know, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. It was a chapter I had been, it was meaty. It was the chapter, it is now chapters three and four. We actually ended up combining it into two chapters, but I was just afraid to start because I knew that if I sat down to do the work, I would have to sit down and do the work. And I would probably face a few things that I wasn't comfortable with in building out and beating out that chapter. But a lot of it was imposter syndrome, worried that I. I wasn't good enough. And by the way, once I finished the chapter, oh my God, we're moving forward. We're we're putting a book out into the world. And so there's that too. So it was probably a combination of things mentally uh, for me. And I think we all fight our own internal demons, but there's always usually something there. There's always usually a reason, anxiety, you know, you're anxious and feeling fearful uh, because maybe you feel that what you have isn't good enough or whatever that may look like. But there's usually always something living there. If we're procrastinating, okay, well, what are we afraid of what is it you know and for me it was of not being good enough of not being smart enough of not having a good chapter
1: okay certainly so now but you you were not aware that that was what was going on at the surface level it sounds like at first
2: at first i wasn't mm-hmm. yeah
1: And so how did you get to that level of awareness?
2: Well, in my research and in really studying all the different things I was studying about fear and then realizing that fear's job is to stop you and to block you. And that self-doubt is a way it does that. Certainly we self-sabotage and procrastination is a form of self-sabotage. And that's when it clicked. I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm sabotaging myself here. My office can get cleaned anytime, right? So what am I doing here? It's this busy work, you know, and I still to this day do it, you know, my husband always says, you know know when you are stressed out because I'm either doing the dishes, cleaning the kitchen, doing the laundry, mopping something, sweeping something. I do an activity, right? When I, when my mind is filled with, with stress about something else. So, you know, just understanding that stressors are triggers, right? To stop us from really sitting down to do the work. So I'll give you a hack. If you've got someone listening that is, finds themselves procrastinating or not able to start something, what I did, and I write about this in my book, is I set a timer for 10 minutes because I believe so much in the magic of momentum. Because once we get a little juice, it it helps us move forward. So I set a timer for 10 minutes and I do this sometimes with working out as well when I don't necessarily feel like it. I set a timer for 10 minutes. I say, okay, let me just do 10 minutes of the thing. And if I hit that 10 minutes and I don't feel like it anymore, then I am not in the right mental space, the energy, the vibe isn't right. And I stop the work. But if I have caught a vibe and I feel good and nine times out of 10, you will because you've just welcomed momentum into the party you just keep going and then you you keep going so i find just even it's the starting that's the problem and sometimes 10 minutes can get you out of a funk just sit down to do the work for 10 minutes go sit on the bike you know go for a walk around your neighborhood and if if you're not feeling it after 10 minutes stop and if you are which most times you are keep going
1: okay well so now i want to dig a little bit into your your mindset your title you know fear is my homeboy so, how do you think about fear, and in terms of befriending it, as opposed to you know dominating and destroying it, yeah. and you know subjecting it to your your fiery will of <laughs> superiority? So, it sounds like that, that, that's a different kind of a feel in terms of fear is your friend versus fear is yes. something you're going to punish and minimize. So, how do you think about that?
2: Certainly. And, and here's the deal. We have to work. I dance with my fear. I work with my fear because I realize and in my community, we call ourselves fear bosses because I'm the boss of my fear, not you. Fear isn't going to go anywhere, but I choose to dance with my fear. I choose to work with my fear. And In our community, we are called fear bosses. This means we're the boss, not our fear. So I call the shots and fear isn't going anywhere. So fear will look very different for you at the age of 20 than it will for you at the age of 50. What you fear, the things you fear, what keeps you up at night. And men and women, we internalize and externalize fears very differently. So I, I got really awake to this idea that we're never going to be able to get rid of our fear. This idea, this notion of fearless that everybody is telling us we need to be. I go back to that because it's unrealistic. So why am I wasting my energy, my precious energy, trying to outrun something I'll never be able to get rid of? Let's work together. And Yes, I may feel fear. I may be afraid about whatever it is that I need to go do, uh, whether it's going to a doctor's appointment or it's making a phone call. But I know, yes, I'll feel afraid. And I'll never not feel afraid of things I feel afraid about. But I know because I know that fear is my homeboy. That if I keep going, if I keep doing small, scary, brave things every day, I will get stronger. And those scary things won't be as bad. And I'll actually start fearing less. That's the big idea, right? We've got to work with it. We dance together. We dance with our fear.
1: Okay, then. so so that's, you've just sort of given up the idea that fear will ever be completely absent. Right. And so in a way, yeah, it's, it seems like fear is both your friend and your, I don't know, slave or colleague. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you're the boss of it, how you're envisioning that.
2: Yeah. What do they say? Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer, okay, right? There so go. there you go. Right. It's this idea of like, yeah, fear is not the, the best thing to have around. It can really destroy so many beautiful things that could happen for you. Yet keeping that enemy close is a powerful way to get to know it and uh dance with it a little bit. So that's an analogy that may help people sort of mindset it too.
1: Okay, cool. Well, so now we've covered a, a lot of different potential things to do, you know, when it comes to fear, but I'd love to hear what do you think is just the most reliably outstanding, efficient, effective means of advancing when you are experiencing fear. Like what is the thing you think is just the best?
2: The thing, action. Okay. Starting, action, action. It's getting on, making the decision to go and to do something and to stop overthinking and to stop self-doubting and to stop over talking. Just go, do it. There are so many ideas and dreams and goals living inside of people all over the world and they're waiting. They're waiting for the right time. They're waiting for someday when the kids are grown and someday I'll have more money and someday when I'm older, oh, if I was only younger. The excuses we we make. So starting is the hack, right? If you wanna hack, that's the hack. So momentum, again, going back to that 10 minute timer, just doing it right. And uh, propelling yourself into action. I, Mel Robbins has a great book, the five second rule, right? That's what the book is all about. It's action. It's starting its momentum, right?
1: All right, cool. And so what would you say on the counterpoint to that is, is sort of like the most frequently arising mistake folks They're they're trying to do the stuff you're, you're saying, but they are kind of flubbing it. What is sort of the obstacle that's popping up for them?
2: Yes, I have one. It's, it's probably the number one question I get asked. This idea of, you know, listen, I want to be more brave. I want to put myself out there. I want to promote myself and, and take more risks and, and all of those things. But. I don't want to look like I'm I'm bragging. I don't want to look like I love myself. I don't want people to judge me or make fun of me or not like me. We get so worried about what other people are going to think. We're so worried about publicly failing or embarrassing ourselves or people not liking us. And here's the hard, real truth. And this was a massive aha moment for me. And this will help you manage fear. And I hate to break it to you, but people already don't like you. People are already judging you and people are already making fun of you. So the question is, who are you living your life for? Who are you running your business for? Who are you living for? You or everybody else? So the number one mistake people make is worrying way too much about what other people think. They're already talking. You might as well give them something to talk about.
1: (laughs) You know, that's a really interesting perspective. I thought you were going to say, hey, for the most part, people just aren't paying much attention to you, and they don't really care, it's because they're wrapped up in their own lives. <laughs> but, then true. You, but then you took it in the direction of they're already making fun of you. Well,
2: right, and people are like they are. I mean, not, I'm not saying you know <laughs> everybody's making fun of you every day, but people are already talking about you, right? Like we yeah. can't control that or stop that, and people don't care about you as much as we think they do. But mm-hmm. we're already being judged, right? We're already being—it's yeah. already happening. So live your life. That's the point, right? Live your life.
1: And I really appreciate that when it comes to, I think I've had an aha moment recently because we had a previous guest, um, Mindy Jensen, uh, from the bigger pockets money podcast. Cool. We're talking about sort of money things and, and she was just making a point how she just doesn't care at all about, you know, what other people think with regard to her mind decisions or if she, they think she's a total cheapskate or, or whatever <laughs> in these certain ways. And, and what I found interesting is that folks are going to judge you no matter what you choose in terms of like, So it's funny, you have two kids and we don't own a car yet, right? So hey, you're you're Chicago, so I get so it. You, you know it. Like uh, yes. it's not so essential, especially we're really close by a Brown Line stop. Love it. So uh, you know it's it's on the list. You know we're gonna get to it pretty soon. You know so good, so good. <laughs> and, and so I I sort of thought people were judging me or imagined me to be you know foolish or I don't know a bad dad or you know broke. Like oh, Pete's business must not be doing very well. Right. <laughs> can't even buy, you know <laughs> scrap together a, get a used minivan or something so whatever and, and so then i sort of just imagined that to be the case but I was like you know what i'm fine with it we're gonna we're gonna wait till the time is right until we get just the right vehicle and then i, I mentioned to someone i was like oh yeah you know we're gonna get be getting a car pretty soon so that's long overdue and then that person said but well, what do you need a car for the the train line's right there just like well wow you just judged me in the opposite yeah. way i assumed everyone else was judging me therefore my uh assertion is that people will judge you good or bad whatever you choose (laughs) it's so true Therefore, that's not a a
2: useful or valid or helpful decision-making criterion. Correct. They're going to do what they're going to do. Correct. It's a waste of time or energy. We can't control people, places, or things. So all we can do is control ourselves. So when we take action, we have the courage to take action and just to trust ourselves. I mean, that's what the improv theater is all about, just really trusting ourselves. So I love that your guest said that, like, I don't care what people think. Like, I learned that so big and clear in the improv theater at Second City because we, you know, there is so much power in looking silly and not caring and just doing you. And it'll inspire other people to want to do that as well. And that's what we need more of in the world to get a little woo woo here. We need more people being themselves and doing things that light them up. Right. So, yeah, it's like a brave movement. We love watching people do brave things and be themselves because it makes us want to do more of that ourselves.
1: Lovely. All right. well, Well, now tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things.
2: No, I think that's it. I mean, Just the like I said, if I could have one page in my book, it doesn't get easier. Scary things don't get less scary, but you will get stronger. I think a big consequential mistake people make is they do one brave thing and then they stop, and and they think that okay now I've done it and I'm I've got that brave thing going and you know that's how we miss opportunities and end up with a mediocre life. You know we've got to keep going and it's just consistent action, little by little, every day. We don't need to do big scary things. We can start small and just still be very effective. So that's it in a nutshell.
1: All right. Well, now, could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring?
2: Yes, I would say I love the Steve Martin quote. Be so good. They can't ignore you. Mm -hmm. Love that.
1: And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research?
2: I would say, oh, this is a good one. I recently read a study that showed, I was on happiness and laughter, that babies laugh about 400 times a day and adults, we laugh about four times (sighs) a day. And that just it certainly made me sad, but it inspired me to bring more joy and laughter into my life. And I think joy and laughter is coming back into the workplace. And if we're not having fun, what's the point? We've got to sit at that fun table because we're not laughing. We're not a baby anymore. I get it. But laughter, you know, from 400 to four, how do we increase that laugh factor every day? And I, I loved that study.
1: Well, you know, that is intriguing. And, and I have thought that to myself, it's like, hmm, I would like to have some more laughs. And, you know, from time to time, I make a discovery like, oh my gosh, the TV show AP Bio is hysterical. So good. And and then I binge all of those. It's like, okay, well, now (laughs) what do I do? (laughs) So what do you do to to bring in more laughs every day? I mean, you get your whole improv posse, but uh, outside that, yeah.
2: Well, you know what I do? I tell you, this is brand new, and I I love this idea. I I actually need to put it in my uh, newsletter because it's such a fun little hack. Because of this study, I have started watching on Netflix stand-up comedy specials, and I've been watching a lot of like comedians in cars getting coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, and those are like 15, 20 minutes long, and I'm telling you, I watched about five of those comedians in cars getting coffee uh, the other night while I was eating and making dinner because it's all kind of in the same room, and I didn't look at my phone once, I even forgot about my email. I forgot about the book launch. It was just so lovely to just sit there and laugh. And so that's an easy thing someone could do. Just start like watching comedy specials and just let yourself laugh at the world because there is a lot of serious stuff going on. But if we're not having fun, what's the point? So that's a way to start laughing. more. You know,
1: that is fun. And I've turned on the Spotify comedy originals.
2: Oh, good. And there,
1: you know, as I'm like, you're taking a walk or, or whatever. And, and that's great. Yeah. Well, because you don't really, Need to look at it. You could mostly listen to the Netflix comedy special. Maybe pop on some Bluetooth headphones.
2: Correct in your car. Yeah,
1: and you know mix your or, or
2: your not car your iPhone. Yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: then just mix your ingredients. You know, totally uh, very good. So,
2: how about a favorite book? Favorite book? Oh my gosh, that's a hard question. I have a, so many, but what I would say for this audience, I think what shifted me in a professional way from a professional perspective, this really changed the way I work. It's a book called Essentialism by Greg McKeon.
1: Oh, we interviewed Greg. He's awesome. Yeah.
2: Oh, I mean, that book, you know, that client I was telling you about the first 60 minutes of her day, those ideas inspired a lot of those changes that she made and I made. And we just really all started working together to get in front of it and living like essentialists. So that book's a game changer. If you haven't read it, go get you some.
1: All right. And have a favorite it? Oh,
2: that's definitely it. But I would say I use a goal-focused planner. I use a planner called the Volt, V-O-L-T, Planner by a company called Ink and Volt. It is the number one tool in my business from a productivity standpoint that helps me live and work like an essentialist. So that is, a, I couldn't live without it.
1: And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with uh, readers and listeners?
2: Yeah, I think the thing in my, you know, we've, my book comes out May 28th, but there are a lot of folks that have had advanced copies and one of the retailers is shipping early and i think the quote that's kind of getting tweeted a lot and shared a lot and i have come up a lot even on podcasts is this one uh you can be a victim or you can be a badass the choice is yours
1: all right And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them?
2: I would point them to, first and foremost, my website, which is Judy, J-U-D-I, Holler, H-O-L-L-E-R, dot com. From a social media perspective, I am the most active on Instagram, so j-u-d-i-h-o-l-l-e-r on Instagram certainly on Facebook and then I think those are the best ways to get in touch with me and we're doing a little freebie I've got a little gift for your listeners do you want to share it or do you want me to share it
1: oh yeah! tell us
2: Okay, so if you want to get to know a little bit more about me and kind of test drive my book without buying the book, we're going to give you a chapter one in the beginning of the entire book for free. And I've also included a couple of downloadable freebies. Most importantly, most specifically, my secret weapon, which is my morning planner page. And the way you get it is you text the word brave to the number 4747. 47. And you'll get texted a little link, you click it, and then all of the downloadable freebies will be sent to your email once you enter your email.
1: All right. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks seeking to be awesome at their jobs?
2: Just trust yourself trust yourself what you have is good enough and in the improv theater we're not trying to find the best thing but we are always looking for the next thing so it's all about momentum and moving the scenes forward on stage you've got to do that for yourself it's about doing small things every day that are going to move your life forward this is how you achieve results fear less and of course make fear your homeboy
1: Beautiful. Judy, thanks for this. Good luck with the book and all <gasps> your adventures.
2: You. Oh my gosh. Honored to be here. Thanks for listening.
1: I appreciated so much what Judy had to share. And I think the favorite trick that she reminded me of that I've used a couple of times since our conversation has been just that 10 minute timer in terms of, I don't want to do this. I'm not feeling it. This seems lame and dumb. And there's other things I want to do. And I, uh, I'm pouty, you know, that kind of stuff. Set that ten minute timer so I'm gonna do this for ten minutes. And then if I am still in a foul mood about it, I'm just going to stop when the ten minutes are over. But sure enough, I almost never stop because okay, I'm in the groove now, let, let's get her done. But you have that comfort safety net associated with that. It's only gonna be ten minutes. It's just the coolest little trick. It really works. So thanks, Judy, for that. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesome at your job dot com slash ep four four six If you haven't already, hope you'll punch subscribe. You'll catch our next guest. It's Hal Gregerson. He's back for more. We had a whole lot of fun on a previous episode. We did a question burst and and showed how that could spark fantastic ideas very quickly. Well, this time we're talking about the other skills associated with innovation and how to pull that off well. Hope to catch you there. Peace.
0: Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full-text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered.